closed, but today uh, is actually the second week of Advent. Uh, last week was the first week, but we needed to finish 1 Samuel, and so we did that, and so uh, we're a little week behind, but we're going to catch up. So uh, hope and peace today, though, we're going to focus on hope and, and talk about uh, the King of Promise, uh, who is Jesus Christ. And uh, as we launch into uh, today, uh, I want to tell you about uh, some things that happened yesterday and over the last week. Uh, yesterday, uh, several from our church and the community helped with the Friendswood uh, Christmas Parade and Santa in the Park. It was a lot of fun. It was a great thing. And uh, it really uh, feeds into uh, what our vision statement is. And I haven't shared uh, that vision statement in a while, kind of our seven-year vision. If you walk over in the Family Life Center, you see it very largely on, on the side of the wall there. Uh, but our vision over these next seven years is to prepare and send uh, disciple-making missionaries. Uh, that's you, uh, disciple-making missionaries, who will strengthen your own family and the families around you, who will love your neighbors well, and who will transform the community uh, with the gospel not because you're cool or you're attractive or you speak well or you're dynamic. No, because you have the love of Jesus uh, living inside of you. That's what transforms uh, our community. And we had an opportunity last night uh, to be a part of that, to, to love on our community and, and share with them. And I'm going to tell you more about parts of that uh, through the sermon today. Uh, but as a piece of that, this seven-year vision, uh, we have uh, gathered together over the last two years uh, in a process called the Missional Pathway. Uh, many of you have, have been a part of that uh, to learn your own kind of personal journey uh, where God has brought you from uh, the very beginning, from your birth all the way, kind of your life story and how God has shaped you and molded you throughout the years and, and how he's created in you an opportunity for you personally to impact the world around you. Well, as a part of that, in January, uh, we're going to have have the church-wide version of Missional Pathway. So even if you haven't gone through uh, the individual piece, you can be a part of this. Uh, because at the end of this process, uh, we as a church are going to select together, collectively, we're going to select one or two areas in our community where we want to bring the light where there's darkness. Uh, and so if you've been in the church just a few months or a few years, or you've been in the church a long, long time, we need you because we're going to kind of walk through uh, the history of First Baptist Friendswood and look at how we can take what we've learned from who we are in the past and take that forward uh, with God's uh, plan uh, to make a difference uh, in our community. So January 21st, I want you to be a part of that. Uh, everyone needs to be there. It'll be in the Family Life Center. Uh, you can register online because we would like to know uh, you're going to be there. We're going to have lunch that day uh, as a part of it, but it'll be a great time uh, for you to latch on to the mission and vision uh, of who we are as First Baptist Friendswood. Well, I, I don't know uh, how your family does Christmas. <clears throat> if you're a Christmas Eve, a Christmas day, maybe it's like a series of, of you know, over seven days, you, a little bit at a time uh, kind of stuff, but... <clears throat> Every year, when everyone gathers on the tree, there's a sense of anticipation. Because some of the people in the room don't know what they're getting for Christmas. So, some of them do, but some don't know. And, and there's a sense of anticipation. What am I going to get? 
How are they going to respond to what they get? And and your family might be one of these families that goes uh, in some kind of order. Like you open your gifts in a certain order, maybe youngest to oldest, or the greatest would be oldest to youngest to make that youngest child just wait for everyone. That would be so awesome. Uh, but, But there's a sense of anticipation There's excitement and you're like, you can't wait. And and maybe even in your family, you have that person or two that has to be the gift hander-outer. Like they, it's, they have to touch every gift. Like it's, that's not me and my family. I won't tell you who it is uh, in my family, but, but we've got that, that person in our family that's got to touch every gift and be the one to be in control and hand it out. And, and, and there's that sense of anticipation. These days we're kind of the, now that everyone's older, kind of the all at once gift opening. And two hours later, one of us is looking at our gift and family member, goes, Oh, that's what you got. Great. Cause I didn't even pay attention to you because I was too busy opening my gifts. But however you do it, that moment there when all the gifts are before the tree and your family's all gathered, there's that sense of anticipation. Well, that's what Advent is. Advent is the anticipation of someone coming. The anticipation of someone who is majestic someone who's notable, someone who's going to make a difference. The Old Testament speaks to the advent, to the coming of the king, to the promise that we have for Jesus Christ. But that advent, it didn't just exist prior to Jesus coming. It actually, that anticipation exists even today. And it exists in Jerusalem, so much so that in, in recent days, apartment owners have begun to write into their apartment contracts, their leases, what they're calling the Messiah Clause in Jerusalem, in Israel. Because these apartment contracts have these stipulations That if the Jewish Messiah comes, the lease, this is the exact, may be immediately terminated at the will of the landlord. So all these very devout Jews who probably live in other parts of the world that own these apartment complexes, they want to be prepared so that if the Redeemer comes in, in their mind, If the Redeemer comes and sets up the temple for the third time, they don't want to be waiting for their tenant to move out before they can move back into paradise. And that sounds like a great deal, huh? They they want to be able to kick the tenant out so they can come back and live with the Messiah when he comes. Now, we know the Messiah has come and he will come again. So we also have an anticipation awaiting that that Jesus will come again. Everyone, everyone in the Old Testament, in Isaiah's time, that's where we're going to be today. So if you got your Bible, you can begin to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Everyone in the Old Testament 
Everyone in the day that Jesus was born in those days, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the the common person in the first century when they're under Roman oppression, they're looking for someone. They're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for someone who would deliver them from the chaos and the heartache and the distress. Everyone is looking for that one who they can put their hope in, who they can put their trust and belief in that would rescue them from their current situation. And the book of Isaiah speaks to that one. If you've been in church during the Christmas season at all in your life, you've probably heard parts of this passage that we're going to read today. But my prayer is that we would look at it with fresh eyes. So as we look forward to the Messiah, as we look to the hope of Jesus, let's read Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. In the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy, they rejoice before you as with, the har- as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. In this passage of Isaiah, there's kind of three big themes as we think about the coming Messiah, the the promised one, the, the king of promise. The first is that there will be a great light that will come. At some point in the future, after Isaiah, 700 years to be exact, give or take, the nation of Israel will experience a shift. They'll experience a shift from walking in darkness and oppression and defeat to seeing a great light. And that great light is Jesus, the Christ. He, he will burst onto the scene, not just the North Star leading the wise men, not just that great light, but he himself will be a light in the darkness. I, I don't know if it, if it startles you or surprises you or, or makes you nervous when the electricity goes out at your house. 
When electricity goes out during the day, it's, eh, you know, no, no big deal, really. But at night, it's weird. Because it seems to be extra dark. Because there's no street lights, none of your neighbors have lights, everything is dark. And even worse, it's usually quiet. Because your air conditioner is not running in December, right? What a, what a joy this season is. Christmas lights and mosquitoes. It doesn't get any better than that. Your air's not running, the fan's not running, your refrigerator's not humming, at least ours hums, strangely. But, but there's something eerily wrong when the electricity goes out. And at night, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking. And, and we live in, you know, a, a modern culture. We, we live in a developed society, and so we know it's not going to be forever. But, but when that you, you turn one light on in the house to, to know, oh, hey, when the electricity comes out, we'll know. Like when that light comes on, it's like, yes. We're so excited about a light bulb coming on. It, it, it's crazy. There's, there's excitement when light comes on because none of us want to be in the dark. We don't want to be in the dark physically. We don't want to be in the dark metaphorically. We don't want to be on the outside looking in. We, we don't want to be in oppression and defeat. We don't want to be mired in sin and muck. We, we don't want that. And as Isaiah writes, he's sharing the hope that is coming. The light of Jesus. Because Israel was depressed. They were in darkness. They were in darkness in the ancient world. They were in darkness at the time of Christ. They were oppressed by the Roman government. And we today live in a world filled with darkness and anger and bitterness and hopelessness, mean and nasty, people wanting to oppress everyone. We live in it. We, we live in a dark time. Isaiah lived in a dark time. Jesus was born during a dark time. And, and the funny part for me is that every one of us today, we have a light in our pocket. There's mine right there. Every one of us have this same light. Some of you have an Android one, but that's okay. We have light everywhere. We have light at our fingertips. We have light all around, but, but yet we, we live in a dark world. It's lost and confused, bitter. More willing to attack one another than to work together. It's a challenging place that we live. It's not just true of here, it's true everywhere. And yet, God talks about the light coming to bring not just illumination, but, but to bring hope and rescue. That's what he does. And, and, and last night, uh, I had the chance to, to be a part of, the, part of the parade, not in the parade, but uh, a part of the, the judging of the parade. And, and there's an award given, it's called the Illumination Award. I didn't make up the name, I just get to help pick who won that. The Illumination Award, that was the award for the best use of light 
on a float in a little small town Christmas parade. I'm not going to tell you who won because they need to find out first uh, before I tell you. But we long to be illuminated. We, we long to experience light. That's why when the fireworks came on last night, everybody stopped. It was like, oh, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Like, why do we do that during fireworks shows? But we do. And because we love light. That's why God uses this metaphor all throughout the scripture to point to light. And Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Because he's the one that God promised to defeat the darkness 700 years after Isaiah wrote this. So that you and I could find hope in the light. His name is Jesus. So my question for you, my first question for you today is, are you pursuing the light or chasing the darkness? Now, initially, you, you might rustle at that and say, well, I'm not, I don't, I'm not chasing the darkness. <laughs> That's not me. I, I don't want, I'm not a big sinner. Like, I don't want to be messing. Mm-hmm. The challenge is if we're not pursuing the light, we are chasing the darkness. There's no neutral position in the question. Are, are we following after? Are we longing for the things of God? Are, are we hoping that in our own lives that, that the, the light of Christ would shine brightly in my own life? That, that I would draw closer and closer to the kingdom that has no end? That, that I, would, I would lean into the hope? That's not wishful thinking hope. The confident assurance that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He is my one and only hope and he and he alone has given me eternity. And so I want to live my life today in response to that great love, to that great promise, to the commitment that he's made to me. I want to pursue the light of Christ. Or am I content to simply say, yep, I remember that day when I was nine and I put my faith in Jesus I'm okay. And we live our life the way we want. God's called us to something greater. He loved us so much that he sent his one and only son that we would experience forgiveness and grace and get out of oppression and darkness. And so I want to challenge you, encourage you to pursue the light in this season when it's easy to pursue lots of other things, lots of other things during this season. Mostly desserts and parties. It's easy to pursue those. Let, let's pursue the light of Christ. But the second question I want to ask you is, are you filling others with hope? Maybe we could exchange that word for light as well. Or simply cursing the darkness. I think one of the greatest challenges for those people who follow Jesus Christ, for those of us that, that claim the name of Christ, who say we live in the light we spend a lot of our time cursing the darkness instead of shining light into the darkness. We tell the world how terrible they are instead of stepping into the world 
and bringing a bright light of love and grace and forgiveness. Giving them the truth of what it could be and how it can be better. Not just today, but for all eternity. And so are we filling others with hope? Are we shining the light brightly for others? Are we simply cursing the darkness? God came because he loved everyone unconditionally, without condition. doesn't matter how good or bad you think you are. God loves you. And no matter how good or bad you are, we love you. That's what shining the light means. That's what bringing hope is. Let's be people of the light. Let's be people of hope. Because God is the one, this is the second kind of big point, God is the one who's going to defeat oppression and sin. It's not us. It's not my responsibility to defeat sin and oppression. It's not me to, to go against the, the kingdoms of the dark. No, God's already done that. He's God is the one who defeats oppression. The enemy will be trampled and God does it. And he does it in a new and a different way. He does it by sacrifice, not by warring. He does it by death and resurrection, not in battle. For thousands of years, all of humanity has been attempting to defeat darkness and pain, heartache, tragedy, poverty, lack of resources and education, oppression. We do all we can to defeat all of those things. And we've yet to be really successful in our own human effort. Because ultimately, it's not a resources issue, it's a sin issue. And our only hope to defeat oppression and darkness and poverty, not just physical and monetary poverty, but spiritual poverty, is through a Savior whose kingdom will never end. Through Jesus, the Christ child who Isaiah speaks to, a son is born, a child is born. The Son of God came that we might be freed from that oppression. We might be freed from, from darkness and despair and hopelessness. That we would live for eternity and with eternity in mind. Because Christmas is a great day. It's tons. Uh, uh, Christmas season is wonderful. Uh, we, we had a great group of folks come and decorate the stage and, and this and the lobby and the fellowship hall and the FLC. They did an amazing job devoted. Like it looks awesome. Christmas is a beautiful season visually. It, it's a beautiful time with family. It, it's a great time to remember the birth of Jesus. We have all the manger scenes and the nativity scenes. It's beautiful. But sometimes I think we believe that Christmas is hope for a day. When Christmas is hope for eternity, hope forever. That, that's why we celebrate Christmas because I have hope forever. Not, not just on December 25th and, or maybe that whole week. No, I have, I have hope for all eternity. J.I. Packer, who is a, a well-known theologian and author, he said it this way. He said, the Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Most of us don't think we're ruined. For a ruined humanity, hope of a pardon, 
hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor, was born as stable, so that 33 years later, he might hang on a cross. That's why we sang what we sang this morning. They would recognize that that child born in a manger wasn't just baby Jesus. He's Jesus the king at birth. He was king at death and he's king at resurrection. For all eternity, he's king. He is our king. And our only hope, our only hope is that that perfect child was the one who became the perfect sacrifice. The perfect child became the perfect sacrifice so that you and I could live in the light, so that we could have confident assurance, we could have hope in our eternity. That's Jesus, the one who came. We might have hope. He is our hope. He is the one who will rule forever. The kingdom of David, that's the third kind of major theme in this passage, that there's this kingdom that lasts forever, the Davidic kingdom that lasts forever. We started talking about it in 1 Samuel, that, that Saul was the first king of Israel, wasn't supposed to be there, God put him there, and then David was going to become, yes, we have a flickering issue. I'm glad everybody noticed. Um, <laughs> and and it, that kingdom was going to be established by David and that the true king, Jesus, would be of the Davidic line, a kingdom that would rule forever. But it would be a different kind of kingdom. Not, not, not one built on armies and justice. No, it would be a kingdom built on righteousness. Most kingdoms are built on justice, right? Our kingdom, America, is built on justice, but his kingdom is built on righteousness, a kingdom that will never end, unlimited and eternal. It's not about correctness. It's about being perfectly aligned with the will of the Father. And so as you and I pursue the light of Christ, that's what we're pursuing, the will of God. As we seek to, to push out the darkness and live uh, in the light we're expanding the kingdom of God. We're showing the world a different kind of kingdom, a different way to live. A kingdom that cannot be stopped. Ever been stopped? Not by a police officer, because that's what most of you were thinking probably. I know you have, some of you. But like stopped in your tracks, because it says this kingdom will never end. It won't be stopped. It, it can't be stopped. Have you ever been stopped? Like I, there's been a few times where I've been stopped in my tracks. One time, I've shared this before on a mission trip, I ran into a giant bell, um, like literally a big metal bell. Just, I smacked it and I mean, boop, I was down. I, I, I've run into a, a sliding glass door, you know, a window, you know, oh yeah, that's painful, isn't it? Some of you've... Guilty. I can see it in your face. You've done it too. It, it's terrible. I, I was playing one time a uh, water gun fight with, my, with the neighbor kids, and I was turning around backwards. There happened to be a pine tree in front of me. It stopped me. Stopped my breathing too for a minute. 
But I think about how often we get stopped. Like our progress is just stopped. Like we, we go forward and that, that's it. We get stuck. The Bible says God's kingdom never stops. The kingdom of Jesus never ends. Nothing will stop it. Nothing will prohibit it. Nothing will stall it. It's going to go on forever. And it's going to go on not limping along, not sort of eking along. No, it's going to go on in victory and power and justice and grace and forgiveness and mercy, bringing peace wherever it goes, filling the world with hope where there is no hope. That's the kingdom that I want to be a part of. And I want to follow a king who is the king of that kingdom because Jesus is our king and he is our hope. And today, as we launch into this Christmas season, I want you to latch onto that, that Jesus is your king not just the king, but I want Jesus to be your king. I want him to be your hope. And the only way that happens is for you to say yes to him. The only way that happens is for you to say, Lord, I know I'm stuck in darkness and depression and oppression, and I need a breakthrough. I need something on the outside to make a difference. And so I'm putting my hope in you today, Jesus, my Savior, the only one who forgives sin and who has defeated sin and death. Lord, you are my hope today. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, December 4th, 2022 is the greatest day in the world to do that. It's to say yes to the hope of Christ. In a few minutes, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. And I invite you, there'll be several of us down front. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, I'm going to invite you to take a, a bold step, a bold step and say, you know what? I'm going to step out of my kingdom into a new kingdom by coming and talking to someone. Say, how do I, how do I put my faith in Jesus? We'd love to share that with you. We'd love to encourage you. So when we stand and sing in a moment, I want to invite you to that. But there are a lot of you in this room and watching online that I know your hope is in Jesus. Because I know your story. But it's easy, even during Christmas, to get caught up in frustration, to get caught up in cursing the darkness rather than living in the light. It's easy to get caught up in going through the emotions rather than living a life of victory and peace. And so my prayer is that as we've listened to this passage again for maybe the 50th time in your life, that you would see it again and say, Lord, restore the hope that I have in you. Restore the joy that Isaiah speaks to. Fill me with your spirit that I may live in the light of Christ. And so I want to invite you as well to come and pray and just say, Lord, may, during this, may this season be different for us, for me, as a person, as a family, that we would be people of hope. That's my prayer for all of us. Will you bow with me?